a very good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to Coaster Coaster Kings Kings Radio. Radio. Of course, we had another week hiatus because we moved last week into our brand new home, which we are recording this podcast episode from in our little bar dining room area with our espresso martinis to stay awake and also have a good time. A Dutch original, the espresso martini. We've never had one. You should, because they're great. They are great, and you can make them with like Kahlua or Bailey's, but I like them a little stronger and just more espresso based. So Archie gets espresso vodka and a little bit of simple syrup. Anywho, um, today is a little bit of a different episode than we originally had planned. Originally we had planned a Disneyland Paris episode, separate from a Time Traveler versus Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland episode. And we decided, you know what, let's just combine it all. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so we combined that, we're also going to talk a little bit about some newsworthy stuff and the Golden Ticket Awards and whether or not we should be trusting those results. Sounds very dramatic. Mm -hmm. Um, And of (laughs) course, you find everything Coaster Kings on thecoasterkings.com. We've got lots of new articles live, including Hollow Scream Tampa, uh, Not Scary Farm, Horrorland in Spain. I think it's close to Madrid, Um, but I forgot the exact location of this event. Maybe close to Barcelona. Horrorland. Horrorland, yeah. That's like the full, like... It's that, like, special stream park, park. yeah, but they moved to a new location this year, and I forgot exactly what the new location is, but that's all on thecoasterkings.com. And of course, we also have a variety of our podcast episodes, mm-hmm. Coast of Kings Radio, streaming on several platforms, we have Spotify. Like 42 now, right? Yeah, so this is episode 42 that's official. We, of course, have um, a couple of mini-sodes, maybe like a dozen or so. Yeah. And then we have uh, several specials throughout the last three seasons. We are nearing the end of season, uh, sorry, season three. Three. Season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're just ending next week, so our, this is the one-to-last episode, and we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back with, uh, with a lengthy season full of specials, award shows, and the 26 minisodes. So we're going to go hard for season four, mm-hmm. um, but in order to do that, we have to take a little break. Yeah. Um, so yeah, today, let's start our conversation um, with Desperado. Desperado. Desperado, one of our favorite arrow hypers, all well, favorite arrows, period. One of our favorite arrows, one of our favorite hypers. Is currently one testing. One of our favorite coasters in the Southwest. Word on the street has it that another investor, and this happens all the time mm-hmm. um, in Prim, Nevada, has purchased the resort cluster that includes Whiskey Pete's. Um, Buffalo Bills. What's the third one called? Whiskey uh, Pete's Buffalo Bills. I think it's Bills. just called Prim Resort. Like the third. Well, the, oh okay. One of the hotels is is Prim. I thought the whole collection was called Prim Resort. I know it's confusing. Anyhow, uh, looks like there may be a new investor, and they are yeah. currently running this product. Shout out no to being on the um, website. Thrills Medley. Thrill Rides. Thrill Rides Medley. Um, on Instagram. On Instagram, Brent, Mr. Brendan. He drove Girl through the desert and saw it running and stopped and took some pictures. And now the whole world has proved that we may see a return yeah. of Desperado, which, for the record, I think is better than, Ma- um, than Magnum. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. You know, most I mean, people, most Magnum, people just can't have that Desperado is – well, Desperado is five years newer than Magnum. I think it's reasonable to think that, like, five years of, of design prowess collecting over time. Like, I think Magnum was a pretty safe choice, and it was certainly a good formula, but – Desperado definitely represents a a less formulaic um, school of ride design. But yeah, go follow Thrill Rides Medley on Instagram, all one word, and check out his amazing photography of Desperado testing as well as um, several other uh, coasters throughout the Southwest. His photography is awesome, so go check him out. Um, but yeah, with, with Desperado testing, first of all, totally shook. Did not. I really thought COVID was going to kill this thing because, like, the Prim Valley resorts don't do well on their best day. Like, 
The Prim Valley resorts are they're a little deserted, struggling even when Vegas is thriving. So must admit, I've just been lucky that I've been on Desperados many times in the half. Right. I think I've made like four or five separate trips to ride it, and then uh-huh. I just marathoned it. Yeah. You and I alone have done three trips to ride it. Yep. Three separate trips. That was the week we met. Like, that was the was first one trip. One of the first things we ever did I together. did a stakeout in the parking lot to make sure it was running. Yeah. And picture was up in Vegas. Because like, I was flying in for work. And, and I drove from L.A. drove from L.A. And I was like, can you, can we see, like, do you know if Desperado's going to be open, like, before you come get me, before we go over there? And so you parked, you parked, yeah, you parked. Yeah, and park. I'd already ridden it that summer in July yeah. with our friend Ryan. Um, and we rode it a bunch. And then we went back in... The winter in like January, we wrote it, and we wrote them back oh in God, July. We wrote awesome. it, so we've yeah. been quite a bit. So once we lived in LA, we yeah. kind of like couldn't not stop yeah. there on the way to Vegas, um, or even just made a point of going there for the day and coming back because it's such a good hyper. We got coaster. really lucky on the second visit. We bought those shirts, like the ride operator. No, that was the third visit. Was that? Are you sure? Because yeah, the second we... visit we took the monorail. It was it was the winter? Remember? Okay, it was cold, and we drove to Phoenix. I thought maybe there. wasn't there a trip where we wore the shirts there. After yeah, well, we purchased we them. Bought, no, we bought them and they were worn. And then the we wore them the same we day. We put them on the parking lot, took a selfie, oh, yeah. and left. Okay, but that was enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was yeah, great because the ride operators were wearing these amazing shirts, and we were like, uh, "Those shirts are awesome." They're like, "Oh, they're actually for sale. We're just now wearing them because we have them and they're cool." So we bought them. So now we have a unique T-shirt yeah. <laughs> uh, in our collection, yeah. which is a Desperado T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're excited that it has a potential future again. Um, yeah, we will definitely plan a trip literally just to Vegas just to go ride that again. Um, because we love that ride that much. Yeah. So hopefully um, that's in our in our near future. I just don't know. Like, I, I guess, like, I don't know how this is happening. I don't know how the ride is, is actually functioning at this point because it is just so uncanny. It's a magnificent ride. It's like this beautiful mirage out in the desert, out in this deserted place that is supposed to be, it was meant to be an oasis. It's funny because back in the day when the coast opened, there wasn't even an actual city yet. It was just called State Line Nevada, yeah. and then Prim became literally the city unincorporated. After the resort yeah. already opened, so yeah. people could live there and work yeah. there. Uh, but it's still like a good forty minutes from Vegas, so it's kind of like in a really weird position. I appreciate what they were trying to do with it because they were like, "Oh, for the people driving into Nevada, like obviously we should put something right across the border." Because we can, and that makes us, like, we're closer to California. But it's also one of the things is, like, well, people have already driven three hours through the desert to even yeah. get there. So at this point, they're only 40 minutes from Vegas. Why the hell would they stop there if they're that close to it Vegas? It was well-intended, but it was a misfire. I think back in its day, like, when it opened, it was pretty substantial. Um, but then when you look at it and compare it to what Vegas looks like now, it just is, like, the, the poor Prim is just, like, stuck in a time warp. And I just don't know... If they'll ever achieve sustainability, it's fine though because they've got some pretty major outlets there that I have seen pretty busy. But I've also been to the outlets before that it was so clearly dead that I thought it was like an abandoned Chinese mall. So there's like no in between. I think one of the biggest things working against them is that when people go to Vegas from like by aircraft, like when they fly to Vegas, they don't need a car. Nobody rents a car in Vegas. And for the Prim Resorts, if unless you already are driving a car in, which oh, is, I still think that. At least half, if not more, of the people going to Vegas drive there, drive in from from like L.A., San Diego. I mean, San Diego has a road trade to Vegas too. Like, it's not that you think bad. So? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you've seen them. You've seen the freeway. The freeway will literally be completely packed from Vegas to L.A. or yeah, LA to Vegas, depending but on the holiday. The airport is enormous and does hundreds of flights a day. I don't know. Anyways, it's, I just still think like, they, especially back then, there were the when there weren't that many flights. There was probably like the West Coast. an expectation that they would be able to attract more people who were there in Vegas by way of aircraft versus people who were in Vegas by car. There's still that one other resort between Prim and Vegas. 
That big hotel with the same flashy lights. What's it called again? Do you remember? I think I know. There's like one more about. hotel that's kind of like a mini prime. Like just there's one some hotel stuff with that's like, a... like kind of at the doorstep of Vegas, like that gold no, nugget. No, no, no. I'm talking about like the one that's right in between. I think prim. I know which one you're talking about. There's a gas station there that we. Yeah, like that. a gas station, and then there's like a Denny's like obviously in the parking station. lot. Yeah. yeah, really weird. Anyway, yeah. Anyways, I don't think too much. We're, we're really excited, we're and just hopefully curious. it opens again. Anything, any news on the subject is exciting. We're just amazed like we're mystified that it's testing and we can't wait to hear more um the riot of course it's not open till it's open so we shouldn't you know put our eggs in that basket just yet we don't want to jinx it yeah don't not buy flight tickets yeah, yet don't, but, yeah don't know, go there yet but um look up. the trains look great in those pictures on instagram it's like um the original poster brendan was like you know i don't know if they just take really really good care of these trains um or if they've been refurbished but they look good as new so that's an exciting uh, development consideration as well, that the trains look pristine. Um, not only is the ride testing and operating, but they've, it looks like they may have been putting some money into it. Um, I mean, the fact that it's able to run at all after yeah. years of sitting in the desert um, is a good sign. They've been, they, they, may, you know, they must have been doing something over time in, in order for it to complete cycles and for the train to look the way it does. I so, think in the era of social media with the right marketing... This ride could be revolutionary. Like, it's such a cool thing. It's always been amazing. It's just never had the right exposure. And I think now all they need is a good social media campaign. They need to start <laughs> and a free shuttle service from the yeah, Strip. Yeah, they, and... they need to get some flyers and shit out there in the Strip and, like, advertise, push this thing. Yeah, but the question at the end is how profitable are they going to be able to make that versus the marketing cost involved? I think they're better off marketing that shit on billboards on the freeway. So, like, don't forget to stop and ride the world's yeah. biggest body blah in the yeah. desert on the way to Vegas. Yeah. Then they are putting flyers out on the street. I mean, this roller coaster, it's... it's, I, it's Because I could imagine you're going down the hill and there's just a bunch of billboards yeah. to, like, ride, like, whatever yeah. big, like, record-breaker stop. roller coaster. Yeah, it's like, even... Yeah, it's like, five like miles ahead and you stop and you ride it. Anybody in car driving by should be encouraged to just pull over for 30 minutes. And ride, and ride this thing. Like, instead of it being, like, a resort amenity, it should be marketed as its own attraction, its and own the attraction. hotel just exists. Yeah, like, treat it like, a, like a, a roadside mountain coaster. Be like, pull your car over, ride this thing, and, you know, buy a t-shirt or whatever. Because it's... I can't believe that the, the a roller I mean, coaster... I it's such a massive roller coaster. The ride... When you fly over, like, it's is clear. Like, you see the desert and the giant roller coaster record, in the desert. Like, this ride was the tallest and fastest, fastest roller coaster in the world for two years. It was... A huge thing when it was built. It, it, it's like and the ride is baller. It's a good surreal. roller coaster. Yeah. Oh, and it has a fabulous layout too. It's just positively surreal that a ride like that sits and is so under attended and underappreciated when you consider the ridership of like similar rides like Magnum. But I digress. It's we're excited for the news and we just can't wait to hear more. It was the, the most unexpected thing of all the things that I expected to recover from COVID. Desperado was not one of them, and it looks like it's got a fighting chance. So, And now let's hop over to Europe and do our last European park that we haven't talked uh, about yet yeah. from our recent so trip. So originally we weren't going to do an episode. an episode of Disneyland Paris just because we have before, but then, then again, it's like, well, we love Disneyland Paris. And, and we, we had a couple of followers who were like, so when is that episode coming out? So yeah, like, you know what, um, we'll just blend it in anyway. Quality Coasters, which is like one of the biggest... Uh, Instagram accounts on roller coasters based in Belgium, quality underscore coasters. He commented on one of our posts. He was like, uh, when are you going to do the Disneyland Paris episode? And I was like, well, I wasn't 
we weren't, I don't know if we were going to, because I didn't think anybody wanted us to, but you want us to, and that's a good enough reason, so we're doing it. So here it is. This is the Disneyland Paris segment of our, of our episode, because we did have a really fabulous time. It really is one of our favorite places in the world, so there's no reason not for to make us, there's no reason for us not to make some time and talk about it, even if it may not, we may not have a whole episode's worth of stuff to talk about sure. right now. So I think the we talked about it so much before. I think the best part of our visit this time to Disneyland Paris was the fact that we went and there was literally no crowds. It wasn't because the weather was bad. It wasn't because we went on some off day. No, we went and slammed in the middle of the summer, but, you know, COVID-19 kept those yeah. crowds away. So it was really pleasant being able to navigate the park and just have, like, a nearly empty Main Street, empty arcades on the sides of Main Street. Not having to wait for literally anything. Like yeah. we walked onto every single attraction, every we had single a fabulous time. Fabulous time. Spend surprised I mean, us. We spent one day there, and we rode like Space Mountain like seven or eight times. Yeah. Rode Big Thunder four times. Tower Terror we rode, three times. Tower Terror. Three. We rode every major attraction at least once, except for Crush because yeah. that was had the special standby yeah. queue line, whatever, like the virtual standby yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so we had just a fabulous trip. Um, of course, we the first thing we did was ride Hyperspace Mountain yeah. because you know we're addicted. Hyperspace Mountain might be our favorite roller coaster now. Like Tron has been our favorite. Since 2017, it's kind of like Tron still has a soundtrack, our icon and polish, but yeah. But Space Mountain is is right there. It's like a two way tie because they're both uh, Vacoma icons with really fabulous uh, film franchises that we love on their own merit with great soundtracks, great great audio, great dialogue, great aesthetic, great presence, great surrounding areas that that really elevate the whole ride. I mean. It's funny, both rides, the, the one area that could be improved on both coasters is the queue. Because yeah. neither of them have very remarkable queues. Oh, so the Tron's queue is obviously much better because it has that whole, like, launch sequence and the pre-show. And the pre-show is great, yeah. And, like, even though the switchbacks, it looks decently polished. Yeah. Um, that's where, like, the, the queue for hyperspace is, you know, outside yeah. queue is the best yeah. part of the queue because you get to see the train take off through the cannon, yeah. which is cool. Um, so yeah, obviously with that, and then um, uh, appreciation, of course, always for Big Thunder Mountain there, mm-hmm. and like how spectacular it's yeah. set up. It was and really crazy getting on Big Thunder Mountain without much. Like we, had, we there was a twenty minute wait. We had to take a picture in front of the sign that said a twenty minute wait because every other time I've been to Disneyland, it's always been like two hours, eighty minutes yeah. minimum. Even so. our last trip, and it wasn't even that super busy on like the second or third day, it was always like an hour and a half, two hour wait. Um, for Big Thunder Mountain, which we obviously it's it's the most spectacular Big Thunder Mountain out there, hands down. But we mm-hmm. never really got a chance to ride it a lot in one day because yeah. it's just really hard to do. And there's so many other good rides that like you don't have, you know, you don't want to spend all day waiting for it. Um, you know, we used to burn our our previous fast pass system, fast passes on hyperspace. Um, of course, we also wrote Pirates of the Caribbean, which oh, is yeah. phenomenal. We wrote that at least three times. That and we wrote Phantom Manor at least twice. And then, um, well, the one thing I want to talk about a little bit um, this episode that we didn't discuss in the previous um, Disneyland Paris episodes we've done um, is I want to focus a little bit more this time on the Tower of Terror, A New Dimension of Chills, which was introduced in, I believe, 2018. Mm -hmm. And it is the reskin of Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. So for those who are familiar with Anaheim's, Anaheim actually got Disneyland Paris' original. Um, they were already manufacturing it, and they put it in California Adventure because California Adventure really needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paris was delayed four years, and they got theirs in 2008. Um, well, well, well received. Everyone loved it. And so um, 10 years later, for the anniversary, they reintroduced it, and again, it gave it like a more modern edge. So this was a year after Guardians of the Galaxy became a thing in Hollywood, Anaheim. In Anaheim yeah. 
they did they made, they gave a similar makeover to the one on in Paris. On a technical level, yeah. However, what they did in Paris was they kept the original theme, like the original idea. So it's Hollywood's Hour of Terror, but they introduced kind of like a a very highly detailed um, high quality multimedia overlay that is now permanent, obviously. Yeah. And so what happens is the the theme is a sandwich, but I love about it because it's a really cool theme. It's a great. You know the whole Hollywood yeah. thing, like it really, especially in that park, it really works. Like the moment you yeah. walk out of the the Studio One yeah. entrance to the park, you walk through the st- soundstage directly yeah. at the tower. Like yeah. it's it's like the center of the park. Great, yeah. Like great it, is, it is the center great park. Curve yeah, appeal. exactly. Like I love is. the buildings in the foreground, the very like Art Deco. Yeah, but the moment you walk in, that's like the first thing you see. Like it is it is the castle of that yeah. park, which yeah. is really cool. So what they so they obviously didn't want to change that the Guardian shit, which it made in the future after Adventure Campus opens like yeah. it wouldn't be surprising but it's a, it's a cult classic it has so many lovers it is like maybe the most popular besides yeah. uh, Florida is really popular too but anywho um, so what they did is they kept the original theme and they took the little girl from the pre-show um, and she is now the main character so there's three shafts six stations and you know every shaft has, has an upper and lower station when we wrote it in 2020 we got two sides of it because we wrote it twice and we didn't realize that all three sides were the little like we knew they were different, but we didn't know how. So the before first going one, in, I wasn't sure yeah. if like the third chap maybe had a different character that yeah. did something, but it's the little girl for all three, yeah. which is really cool. But she plays the little girl plays a totally different role in each tower. In each tower. So the nice thing is is that each tower has a randomized drop sequence, much like Guardians. Um, and then the theme of each shaft is very different. So in one shaft, she plays like a devilish child really like 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 a possessed little child mm-hmm. that is like haunting the elevator and is like is in charge of making she's you like possessed. you know she is like in charge of and she's of the whole happening us. yeah and it's a very dark tone it's very like it's that's probably the most haunting that's probably the one scariest one and I, when we say scary we mean like it's not just like the other tower terror this it's is like, like fright fest level like this is like haunt level they really they really made a point of making this like you know much like paris like really making it like a, just, just a little more intense than the tone parts. is really jarring, but like in a in a compelling way. And the the, the ride sequences, um, of course, and you of know, course are the most intense. They are randomized, so like all the little like things that happen with like the mirror scene, yeah, and like the little girl doing whatever like dialogue she has, which is a mix of yeah. English and French, uh, which the is really codes. cool. It's the code switching. It's the code switching me. in the middle of the sentence for me. Yeah, and then um, you which know, like shout out to the bellhops because they do that too. They're all up there spiels and stuff uh, while they're loading the vehicles. They do an amazing job of code switching while also staying in character. But yeah, so those scenes on the screens are really like separated by all the drop sequences, which is cool. Um, the second shaft is... Yeah, we are all one. in it together. Yeah. So like she is with us. Yeah. And, like we're trapped together, and she's sort of coaching us through. And she's the like, trauma. "Don't scream! It makes it worse." <laughs> yeah. and, like, but like, she tells yeah. us that, and then like obviously you drop. Yeah. And it's, it's it's just as haunting, but this time like she's in it with us, so this she is terrified. Like she is screaming and crying, yeah. and like telling us like it's don't scream. Yeah. Like it only make it worse. Yeah. And um, which is really really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that one has um, a little more color to it, but still a very dark tone. Yeah. And then there's the third shaft, which is the most unique and I think yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Then this and is the one that we had wrote for the first time we had had written for the first time uh, on this particular. Visit. Luckily, we got to write it twice yeah. on this visit on that on that particular yeah. tower. 
um, and that's where we are. She is. We're trapped inside yeah, the, the, she, the dimension of chills, like a different yeah. dimension. And she's outside of it, trying to reach in and, and she's like trying save to, us. To, rest, to, to drag us out. So it's a little lighter because she's really positive and she's really like yeah. trying to rescue us. She's like telling us, yeah. like, "Oh my she's, god!" Like, she says, "I can see you. Can you see me? I can me? get you out of here. Come with me." And she's like, Come. "Wait, I can't see you. I can't see you." And then you drop. Yeah, like she's like freaked out that she like yeah, lost touch with you and you to, drop. Yeah. Which is really cool. She's like a medium to the to the um, to the dimension that we're in, and she's like trying to to con- get stay in con- remain in contact with us and and lead us out of there. And then this shaft has like a lot of color going on. It's, it literally because the dimension like every time we look at like the screens, like you know the mirror scene and stuff, yeah. it's just like a like a regular like a bubble with all these colors. And yeah. then she's poking through it, like trying yeah. to like, get us and take us out of the dimension to like bring us back to safety. And then, like, anytime like, you do your drop cycles, there's a lot of different colored lights. It's almost like a disco in there. But, yeah. You know, with, yeah, with, crazy, with like, a darker overtone. Into the shaft and, like, the, the LEDs lighting up the shaft in different colors. And it, it just gives a totally different tone. Like, I guess that's what's really amazing is that while Guardians definitely has different scene sequences um, for each shaft and a different song for each vehicle, the tone, like, the, the, pretty much the same story is told. Um, you achieve the same conclusion at the end of each ride on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, regardless of which tower or which shaft you're in. But on on a New Dimension of Chills, Tower of Terror, like the kind of story that's being told is very different. Is different it's not for just like shaft. oh we're breaking out and like yeah. oh we're taking off at the end. Like thanks for rescuing us. The little girl goodbye. is three different people or three different characters. And uh, I think that I, I think the most get. impressive, and this is a shout out to whoever this little child actor is, <laughs> is that this little child actor is code switching repeatedly, very convincing. I mean, I, this is not like don't take this lightly. This is actually like kind of thrilling. Like it is like a kind of horrorish. The dialogue like, kind of scary. is really, really well delivered. Especially like her emotion and her crying yeah. and stuff. And then yeah. I, I think what the greatest thing is, and the finale is all the same. Yeah, for all right, three before of them. you disembark on all three. So you know how it's like it's tied into Twilight Zone, but unlike the Hollywood, uh, unlike the Hollywood Studios version in Florida. Um, there really aren't any touches to Hollywood to, to the Twilight Zone franchise yeah. except for the little girl being somewhat similar but not at all like the girl from the pre-show. Yeah. That, and, in fact, um, we had the, the pre-show wasn't even running for us on this visit. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. But and because we were thinking about it, like, you know, we had no one would have any idea that this was related to the Twilight Zone. Which is really interesting. Without the pre-show. Because um, obviously Twilight Zone is a right that Disney has to pay for. And they could literally drop the word Twilight Zone slash Cotoson de Machon. Yeah. And they could literally just keep the little girl and make it no longer Twilight Zone yeah. themed and just change the pre-show. Like, there's really no need for them to even. Except for one part. And that's the very finale yeah. where they tie the whole thing back yeah. together. And so, like, you come back down to <laughs> the, the stage. And the little girl like looks at you, and she's like, "I warned you." Yeah. And then she like sings that little song, the little and then around, and then and then she evaporates. The TV shuts off, and like it's back again. And then you disembark, and you're just like in shock. You're like, "Holy shit, wow. that was so good!" <laughs> what so was that? <laughs> uh, obviously, we've done all current versions of all Towers of Terror, and um, we're gonna get so much hate for this. But um, this is by Paris far is our favorite. By far, because I love the original theme of the Hollywood. I think yeah. it's really clever. Like, like Disney had to come up with something. And if you watch the episode on Imagineering, which they pay no attention to the Paris one for some magical reason, except for like the cast member that's really. Oh yeah, about the it. new what's it called? The uh, behind, behind the, the attraction. attraction. Behind the attraction. <laughs> yeah, we'll get. We won't give our opinion, but they don't spend a lot of time on the Paris Tower. The fact there. that they didn't talk about a new dimension of chills and behind the attraction is a crime. 
But you can kind of see like how much effort went into creating this like Hollywood attraction that really was going to become an icon for Disney. And I think that the version that they built, well, the, the current version of the Paris one, really pays homage to the original story, but lives in like a 2021 kind of yeah. world. Right? It feels modern. It feels thrilling. It feels it, it's the very ride. like like physical G force is high thrill, but also just like mental thriller, like horror thriller. Like you really, it's 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 a scary attraction in like all dimensions, literally. Uh, yeah. it, and like the one here, which is really kind of like dumped down and. Um, a little more basic and very old school, and it feels more like a classic. I feel here. like this there ride feels like a really up to date, like, like crazy love, ride. If you love the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in Orlando, if you love any iteration of this ride and its original theme and aesthetic, this is the ride that you deserve. This is the ride that well, a Twilight Zone I mean, Tower of Terror fan. Let's do some armchair imagine, imagineering here. I mean, we were riding it earlier today, Tower of yeah, Terror, and I was like, you know what? One. When you get upstairs to the scene where like the actual elevator detaches from the first shaft and moves towards the second shaft for the drop sequence, that big room is just a retelling of the pre-show. It's yeah. the same character, same like window it's clock. Just the title sequence. I they, you know the same they stuff. They use the window gag way too many times. <laughs> like they, so in my opinion, I'm like they should take that room, gut it, yeah. put some like ultra high media stuff in there, like maybe like yeah. walls towards the edges that yeah. have projection mapping, 4K and then, projection, and then turn that into technology. a scene that changes every time. So when yeah. you write Tower Terror in in Disney's Hollywood Studios in Florida, that if you write it two or three times in a row, you get three different yeah. scenes. And I think it's really easy because they have that giant room to work with that yeah. the whole vehicle has to move through. So I think if they really wanted to, they could cut out that Twilight Zone bullshit and like <laughs> take the pre-show and keep it only downstairs and like change that upstairs hallway and yeah. really make it like a different dimension. There is every a lot time. of that ride has a lot of potential. I mean, I, could you imagine a little girl like popping everywhere? Yeah. Like, I mean, they could do so they could much make with it, it. Really scary and take the little girl. They could as take a the Paris concept and, like, that they introduced it. just for Paris and like. Literally, make apply it to like a different kind of building structure here. In they Orlando. may very well do because I think the reception to the Paris remodel has been extremely strong. It's, um, it's, I think it's still the most popular ride there. I mean, who doesn't yeah. love it? It's like it's like the icon for the resort. I think, yeah, enough. I think it's honestly the most popular ride like resort wide. Even though maybe Big Thunder is a little popular, yeah, Big but Thunder. yeah, Big Thunder and that. But there's, I don't think there's a ride at Disneyland Paris that has a culture surrounding it that's as dramatic and um, intense as Tower of Terror. Like, and honestly, it's always been that way. Even that when is, I first introduced it. That is a cultural phenomenon. I mean, let's not forget 2008 was the first like profitable year where they were able yeah. to pay off all the banks and keep some money for, you yeah. know, within the company um, up to them actually buying the resorts out from the French banks. So, yes, definitely something that should be on your priority list when you go to that park. And I just think that it doesn't get enough rec recognition. Like, when all. do you hear people talk about the Paris Tower? Never. When we talked about it, when we, what feels like an eon ago, when we talked about it, when we wrote it in 2020 in February, when we bought our annual passes and, and rode the new dimension of chills for the first time, we were really still impressed. blown away. And this time, rewriting it, it just... Like especially after it was even better than I remember. Especially after a year of like doing Walt Disney World weekly and doing Tower yeah. Terror with No Wade weekly, we started really like figuring out the differences. Um, you know, we've had a lot of experience at Guardians in in, in Anaheim because that's where we used to live. Yeah. And we used to go there every week. So um, it just it's just really fun to see that all four towers are so different, and I just love that Paris 
got to keep the original theme, but got to get like a Guardians level like reimagining within. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously the exterior is always. I bet that the, the, I the, bet same, the temptation but, was there for them to give it a Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, I think they realized that the Guardians, like, wow, we can really do so much with the right system, and and that's what the uh, behind the thrills, uh, sorry, behind the attraction even talks about. It's like you know what we can actually. This thing hasn't reached its limits yet. We can really do much more yeah. with this ride system. We can program it way better. We can make it much more thrilling than it has been. And I think once it did it for Guardians, they realized, like, hey, we can do much more with this. Um, we have three identical towers. I mean, all different themes. Let's go to Paris, the resort with by far the most thrilling attractions, um, you know, where the guests really expect, like, airtime and forces and thrills and, and, and horror. And let's apply it there. And I think that was a no-brainer for them. And I'm so glad they did it. And I'm yeah. so glad they spend the money on not just keeping it the same old, like, Tower Terror and just, like, intensifying the drop sequence, but actually spending money on, like, reimagining three shafts, creating a whole new story, and making that Wonder Rides feel like, shit, I go right back in line. I mean, it's it was pouring rain, and we got right back in line. They know that the people there worship that ride and pay very close attention to what happens because there's probably more details than than even where we can appreciate. Like, yeah. There's going to be things that you notice on, like, your 12th ride of that ride where you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. God, we're going to definitely YouTube that before we go to bed tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that yeah was, that that's was... really the focus I think of this episode that we wanted to bring more towards this in Paris. I mean, this in Paris is like we had an episode in early 2020. Um, definitely look it up, season two, where we were obviously way into this in Paris, and this was right yeah. before the pandemic hit. That was and also your first ride on like hyperspace mountain. So we have a lot so like yeah. hyperspace mountain. Definitely took priority in that episode talking about it. Um, but this time, Tower of Terror really was like one of the biggest takeaways of our. It's funny because yeah, because we also did Tower of Terror when it was still the original in yeah. France um, on our on our trip when Hyperspace was down. Yeah, so we actually do have quite a bit of of Disney Paris content out there. So I, I guess this was really one of those episodes. Where I'm like, yeah, we can re- retell yeah. the same story. Like, oh, we love Hyperspace, um, but we have a whole episode Plus, it's for hard that. For us not to bring up Disneyland Paris in the context of other conversations about Disney parks, because in a lot of ways, Disneyland Paris is the bar. Yeah, it's uh, it's the for castle parks. It's absolutely the standard upon which the other five castle parks are judged for me. And it's really funny because um, a lot of people just don't think of it that way. And I have, I believe there's a lot of negative connotation around the Paris park. And I mean, my first visit wasn't perfect, but it's one thing I've always said. And even on the visit when hyperspace was closed and I was really bummed and I really had not that great of a day, um, the park is super polished. It's beautiful. It has. All these themed areas that are beautifully developed, highly detailed, walkthroughs. It has so much to do. It's the, by far the prettiest fantasy land. It is the precursor to what Shanghai did, and still Shanghai yeah. can top the detail. Shanghai feels bland. Our time to at Paris. Shanghai Disney, we were like really blown away. Which by we it. too have spent we like love we've spent at least Disney, ten days to Shanghai but Disney. The more we go to Disneyland Paris, the more we have to admit to ourselves the characteristics that we love about Shanghai Disney that it owes Disneyland Paris to. Exactly. They aren't unique to Shanghai. There's a lot of like, well, Shanghai Disney, uh, like there's, there's a lot of like, well, Disneyland Paris walked so Shanghai Disney could run kind of stuff. Um, so, and I think Disney Sea actually is is also in the same boat. I mean, we, 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 <laughs> we mustn't forget that a, that a majority of Disney Sea's projects are canceled Disneyland Paris projects yeah. that were then bought that over by to the, the um, you know yeah. Oriental Land Company because yeah. um, Journey to the Center of the Earth is a um, Paris concept. Yeah, literally, the, Indiana Jones was supposed to be for Paris. Yeah, literally, <laughs> all of Lost River Delta, all of. Mexico. Mystery Island. Sorry, as you literally just mentioned. Yeah. And and everything in um, Port Discovery, all of that was Disneyland Paris. All of it. All of it. The whole, that entire triage of attractions was 
in some way, shape, or form, the seed was sown for Disneyland Paris, and everything that was left on the editing room floor when it came to budgets, especially with the financial problems that Disneyland Paris ran into right away, all of that, it was like Disney Sea basically already had a park that was designed for them, and all they had to do was add some you know, some supporting acts. They're like, okay, we have to have a USA area. And open a world. We have to have a, Mer- we have to have a um, you know, a Mediterranean area. We want to do uh, a Middle Eastern area. We want to do Aladdin. We want to do Sinbad. We want to do Little Mermaid. Like, there was a lot of obvious things that they did, but I still feel like the bread and butter of that whole operation, like, liter- literally the center of that park was leftover imagineering that was inspired by Jules Verne, Discovery Land for Disneyland Paris. So, yes. Basically, um, the long and short love. of it is, is you can't talk about what's great about Disney and not talk about Disneyland Paris because so much. Which actually is, uh, <laughs> if you, again, behind the attraction, I'm sorry, yeah, behind the attraction, if you yeah. watch that, the Castles episode um, really gives a really nice shout out to Paris. Where upon, the, Disney pretty much admitted, like, this is the best castle. Like, and uh, definitely we were, with I mean, the Imagineering story. I mean, France has 45,000 castles. We gotta do something that doesn't look like a, just a regular yeah. castle and do something fun with it. Yeah. And having, like, people that worked at Notre Dame like actually do like the stained glass yeah, the and stuff glass. and building oh the walkthrough that's yeah. below the castle. I mean, Disneyland Paris, it was, again, I mean, we've talked about this in previous episodes and articles. Like there was such a struggle to convince the European market, like, hey, Disney's welcome here. Yeah. That they put every single yeah. penny they had. They built seven hotels. They did They did all they could. That's, they, what, they, that's what makes the financial more, hardship at the resort all the more heartbreaking. I know. Because, because like, they spent more, I feel like they gave Disneyland Paris more love and passion than they even gave like Disney World, Disney World at Disney. the time. And just for it to be like it's a struggle yeah. journey. I mean, they're they're getting there. And uh, Walt Disney Studios. I mean, Frozen is going vertical. Um, you know, the, the camp, Adventure Campus is looking like it's going to open spring next year. We're going to have an Iron Man roller coaster, Spider Man dark ride. We will be there's on the another, next plane to Paris. There should be another e ticket for Adventure Campus. Um, so they're finally <laughs> getting to the point, and and I'm sure that. Um, Disneyland Paris, after you know years and years of no like official big new e-tickets, I'm sure that they are eventually going to see Indiana Jones the place or Tron or Mickey Jones, and Minnie. Railway. There's a lot, and I think that um, Disneyland Paris is on the right track. The new hotel, New York, Art of Marvel, is looks one premium. of the best looking yeah. Disney hotels they created. They have the yeah. largest selection of artwork from Marvel in the world. Disneyland Paris Hotel is under remodel. They're going to get remodeled. It's getting a bunch of money poured into it. Yeah, we're going to be renewing our season passes, and we don't even absolutely in Europe. Yeah. So, um, but again, we're, we're we're clearly fans, and I think a lot of people have an idea of Disneyland Paris from maybe five, ten years ago, which is not the most positive. Um, but I convince you, like, give it some love. That park, yeah. even during the pandemic, has been investing and in keeping it up. I mean, Magic Kingdom looked like honestly kind of like trash after the pandemic. I feel like Walt Disney World, all money stopped yeah. immediately. There was no touching it. And Disneyland yeah. Paris, they repainted everything, and they. Uh, landscaping was improved and they fixed the entrance to Walt Disney Studios which was uh, concrete yeah you know, the concrete did. was they, a mess remember that they're putting money in places that I think really matter like infrastructurally that, like, really like and it's hard to even get it in Walt Disney World for the 50th anniversary but yeah, Disney Paris does it no matter what the fact that like when Walt Disney World does something that's really sorely needed it's like we're so quick to give them praise for doing things that like any self-respecting amusement park should already be doing, like repainting the ticketing and transportation center. It's like, finally, they had a good excuse to do it by painting the ticketing and transportation center the 50th anniversary colors, when really... It should have been done years ago. It should have been done years ago because it looked horrible for an extremely long time. 
Disneyland Paris, they don't have the luxury of being lazy. I mean, to be fair, Disney Village needs some love. The hotels at Disneyland Paris need some love, but they're getting it. Yeah. And despite the pandemic, Art of Marvel was still constructed. Despite the pandemic, the new entrance to Walt Disney Studios was still constructed. But despite the pandemic, um, Disney Village's projects moved on. Despite the pandemic, Disneyland Park or Park Disneyland looks and the best state I've ever seen it. And it is a beautiful, it's just a really nice park. And they kept it up during the pandemic. And that's just not the same for Anaheim. And, yeah, their landscaping and, department and, um, in Paris pops off. Like, I love that they have the little cottage. In, I mean, that's just Europe for you. I mean, flowers, <laughs> like, plants, landscaping, yeah. gardens. You it's can tell just the it's European like the, thing. The whole, it's, the whole, it's the whole Venetian meets Parisian. Or not Venetian. I was going to say, not uh, Venetian. Not Venetian. <laughs> Parisian <laughs> and Versailles. Yeah. Like, Having those two, like, aesthetics as inspiration for, like, the hub, for example, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that they're like, well, this is a resort that is sharing uh, a continent, sharing a country with some of the most breathtakingly beautiful and meticulously and manicured think, spaces and I still think in the Disneyland world. Paris is honestly the most accessible. Very. Because uh, you, have, you have bullet trains running there. You have direct trains to the airport running there. You've got metro lines running there. You've got um, easy park access for your, uh, even, even, uh, sorry, easy parking access for Europeans, bus lines. It's like easy, like handily the most easily accessible Disney park when it comes to public transit. I mean, the whole resort is built on top of like it's custom train station. Yeah. It's just like it's easy stuff. The whole thing, yeah. The, the, just the pulled up into a parking lot. This is all easy brilliant. stuff. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think the parking structure is uh, it's going to currently be completely covered in solar panels, uh, which is really cool. Yeah. But even the parking, I think, is one of the nice setups with like the covered. Um, um, moving walkways yeah. and like the really colorful entrance. Um, I just think that on an, on an international scale, the resort doesn't get enough attention. No. It really doesn't. Uh, yeah. Everyone's always like really busy talking about about parks that I don't think even get close to the quality of Paris. Um, only thing that Paris really struggles with is food. Food. It really, food, yeah. really <laughs> food is unfortunate. Um, it just really isn't a strong suit. You'll be spending a lot of money on not that great food, but honestly, you get to go to Fapiano, so like it's yeah. right, in, it's right in Disney Village. So. Yeah. Um, but enough <laughs> Disneyland Paris. Let's hop over to um, the main topic, which sort of is the main topic. Yeah, this was an episode. Yeah, we definitely had already teased this topic, and then we kind of were thinking about it on our drive home from Hollywood Studios today. We're like, can we really fill a whole episode with? Do we really the well, Mac Extreme we, Spitters? We could, but do we want, do we want to? to? Like, do you want that? Because we certainly so. we started the conversation with our episode on Plopsal and the Pana, and we 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 joined we the conversation continued on the Coastakings.com where we really discussed. Um, kind of like what Disneyland, sorry, not Disneyland, what Time Traveler versus Tomorrowland, uh, Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland really is kind of like, like yeah. what are both strong suits? And we're like, well, you know what? I don't want to sound like a broken record. Let's not repeat ourselves. So we'll do just like maybe like a 15 minute, 20 minute kind of discussion. Like, hey, what is between the two Mac Extreme Spinners? What are the strong suits of each? Um, which one do we, I guess, like better at the end? Um, so I guess I'm just going to start with the strong suits. The strong suits for both. And I'll start with um, the strong suit for Time Traveler at Silver Dollar City is that it's located in the valley. Like, yeah. it, it, it has the landscaping aspect. Yeah. When are you ever going to find a roller coaster that has a station where you can literally drop out a station at 90 degrees at, like, how many feet? Like, 100 yeah, feet? over 100 feet. Um, and do, like, and, and, and you spin take on your way down. right into the business end of the ride. I mean, yeah. I mean, the start to Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland is cute, having that, like, yo-yo the, roll. Yeah, the 90-degree turn Jojo roll is a fun way to start. But it's not quite as spectacular yeah. starting with the drop out of station. Now, luckily, that 90-degree drop, you do have it mid, like, early in the ride on Ride to Happiness. I guess yeah. right after the, you know, it's part of the top hat yeah. situation. 
So you still get that sensation, yeah. but it's, I still think that one of the coolest stars to any ride in the world is literally dropping like 100 plus feet, spinning I think 90 both, degrees. Both rides are so ride. magnificent and so perfectly executed that I don't think there's one that's necessarily objectively better. It's really yeah. going to come down to taste. Well, I, I get what you're saying because like one ride, I think, I think one ride has a clearly better ride layout. I think one ride has a significantly like upgraded, almost like X2 versus Dinaconda yeah. level. Like, that's wow, fair. Like, that's, really a good, that's a good analogy. You know, because at the end of the day, Silverdale City's um, Time Traveler was the first. It was yeah. like a lot of like testing the water. I mean, it's like New Texture Giant yeah. and then having like stuff like Steel Vengeance, you know? Yeah. So it's one of those things where like Silverdale City's had a really cool, unique terrain. I think the terrain is way cool. And I think uh, yeah, the, the topography. Like, that's really cool. And the positioning of the ride is the one thing that people will Who say is still up? better up but than I think Ride, ride to Happiness. Rides. But then everything else I mean, probably to belongs to Ride to Happiness. It's a way more intense, longer, extremer coaster where they started making movements that are just crazy compared to what Time Traveler That drop out of the station into the dive loop on Time Traveler comes at a price. Because the train will park before the first actual launch, and it's one point of the ride where it feels like the pacing is broken a bit, whereas with Ride to Happiness, obviously the start of the ride with the JoJo roll is fun, but not quite as spectacular. But then once you park for the first launch after the JoJo roll and take off, the the ride just keeps going. It's unrelenting. It feels like a and more second, thrilling, breathtaking ride because there's no time is, to break. There's um, no time of, to catch your breath. Speaking of launches, the second launch on Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland has a copper head strike, that copper head strike airtime, airtime, airtime launch. Except that this one actually has airtime. So like you really get strike. pulled down, especially in the, in the back car. Um, as well, like the second launch on Time Travel is a little more basic. It's just kind of like a really highely elevated like upward ramp just like because you clearly have to make it all the way back up the hill and I think it's really obvious like it's like this is the mechanism to get you back yeah. up there that's where on Ride to Happen it's the mechanism to like launch into the second half of the ride and do that crazy shit twice yeah I will you know say that like the top, I think Time Traveler's only real drawback com- when compared to Ride to Happiness is the way Time Traveler feels a little disjointed in its pacing because you get that great you could split the ride up into thirds and they're not even thirds you get a great start out I of the station. I would say they're pretty even thirds because the start out of the station has the, the major drop, yeah. the dive loop, and then the, the, the zigzag up, and then you mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. Then you have the um, launch, obviously, which marks the start of the second yeah. section. You have the overbank, the vertical loop, um, that like little... Like, and then it kind of figurates its the way figure back. Thingy, and some then nice air zero time. G roll, and then into the break, I mean, into the next launch, and then you have that big zig- zigzag. So I think it's... Pretty deep. I mean, the middle, the middle third is the largest. I mean, what I would argue is that the last, everything after the last launch definitely feels less compared to the rest of the ride. And I guess psychologically, the first time I wrote it, I kind of, you, you, you get that amazing launch and all that height and your brain says there's more ride coming and then it feels like it ends abruptly. I mean, it does because there's like two turns and you stop. Um, But even on Rides of Happiness by Tomorrowland, after the second launch, it's like the shortest third. Like the shortest third is, or like, you know, two thirds of the ride are between the first launch and the second launch. Um, And then like after the second launch, the elements are very intense, but you really don't. You really don't spend I much think, time. I disagree. I think because that you do, you do that snake dive up, right? The reverse yeah. snake dive. Then you have an airtime hill. You have a sharp overbank turn, and then you have two airtime hills to break run. It really doesn't do that much. I would still, like the first I would still argue the that the the there is a. I would say it's like sixty forty. I wouldn't say that two thirds of the ride happens after the first launch because the JoJo roll is before the first launch. Well, yeah. Well, what I'm trying to say is that. Um, 
including the Georgia roll. By the time you end, like you leave the second launch, is when like you have one third of the bread left. I would st- mm. because you have Georgia roll launch. Yeah. Upward, downward, that weird um, banana roll. But I think vertical. The t- loop, I think there's like roll, after each S-turn. launch, there's like the same number of elements after each launch. The first launch has top hat with that's the turn in it, elements. so it's like two. Has the banana roll. So let's say that's three. Vertical loop. Vertical loop, that's four. Zero G roll. Zero G roll, that's five. S turn. And then the S turn, so that's six. Six. But then you have the second launch, and then you have snake dive, airtime hill, overbank turn. Two airtime hills. So that's five. Four or five. I mean, I can kind of more like a double up, because you definitely don't go back to the ground. Like, you definitely like double up into the brake run. So I, get, I would still argue that the ride is like... It's like, you get 10% of it when you roll out of the station into the launch, and then you get... 50 to 40. 45% of it after the first launch and then another 35%. So where's the other 10%? Is that not 10? Oh, no. 10, no, no, you have 10, 10, 45, 35. Does that make sense? No, because then you have 90%. You need 10 more. Well, well, well 45 plus 45. Is okay, 90. so... Fi- oh, okay, okay, I see. I'm sorry. Look, I'm a flight attendant. This is, I can't do math. If I was, if I could do math, I'd be doing something else probably. Okay. <laughs> so okay, so it's ten fifty forty. It really doesn't matter that much. The main point, the main point, of this, <laughs> the main point of this conversation is to compare the two more of like their quality and their setting and stuff. So I mean, yeah, okay, they have a little bit of a di- different distribution uh, between launches, but it also becomes. I guess I would just one say one starts on like top of a the hill, pacing, the other one is not. It's like on flat land. The pacing for time traveler is more forgiving. But to be fair, but on Ride to Happiness, it's more aggressive it's because much you don't get that break. I mean, I think overall, like again, it's like X Two versus Dynaconda. Like you think Time Traveler has quite some kick to it, but then you ride Ride to Happiness, you're like, wow, this is honestly kind of crazy. And of course, Ride to Happiness is onboard audio, has a light package, and half the ride is over water. Yeah. And I think that the elements that they introduced that are very, very different. Um, of course, like the vertical loop, the zero G roll, in a way, even the. Even the banana roll, like yeah. they all kind of feel like the same intensity as Time Traveler. But the elements that they introduce that are definitely way more intense than Time Traveler are the reverse snake drive, yeah. which is absolutely insane. Like how fast you rush into that and how you like flip up to down twice in like a matter of a couple seconds. Yeah. And then you have that double airtime hill, like the double up back into the yeah. break run. I mean, I literally got undressed. My shirt yeah. popped out of my like tucked in collar. I mean, I know? think the single scariest moment on that ride is after the snake dive, that, that airtime hill... Like After the, the flag stick is so violent. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I, like my soul That's funny because the first half of the ride body. is really intense. So like, holy shit, this is an intense And then the second half of the ride. And then it just like takes off into oblivion. Like, I guess that's crazy. why I still feel like it's an even keel. Like it's 50-50 for me because I would say that. They both halves. They're so both halves the are equally intense. It's just that that intensity is packed out. into yeah. a shorter no, amount of space. So also I, one of the complaints, well, not so much a complaint, but well, I guess one thing to consider is that like, uh, Ride the Happiness by Tomorrowland opened, and aesthetically, it's not complete yet. And but you go in knowing that they're st- they were still working on it. They're still landscaping the lagoon, the waterfall, and stuff. There's there was stuff that was added to the ride. You know, right after we left, it already looks more dressed up than it did on our visit at the end of July. Um, I mean, much more focus uh, was spent on Ride to Happiness to for landscaping because obviously it didn't have like natural landscaping. Yeah, I mean that wasn't needed for. Time travel because time traveler again like it's built on a hill and you dive down the valley and you do all that shit and it's like it's in it's in the woods like it's really cool about you know natural landscape that's already pre-existent doesn't really need any additional landscaping I don't think I think thematically speaking 
Rides That Happiness is very fun and weird and different, like the cottagecore steampunk sort of situation. Yeah. Um, very fun. But also, I really like the steampunk addressing of Time Traveler, but Time Traveler's logo is awesome. And then, like, doing the, doing the three-layer queue, where, like, you have three levels of queue and station. Mm -hmm. I think it's really clever. Um, I think that the queue for Rides That Happiness is a little weird when, like, you, you start underneath the maintenance barn. Um, and then you have a little bit of indoor switch, like indoor like theming, and then you go outside and you just kind of do a big loop around the break run, and there's like a little pond and um, like I some think, weird yeah, water I wheel. I, and then you go back underneath the station. I expect it to, it's getting there. It's doing. I think the thing in the station with the face is really dope. Yeah. <laughs> with like her monocles that like adjust themselves. I mean, whoever's like read our articles and like listened to our previous podcast, there's no denying that we definitely think Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland is the better ride. In, in almost every single way. But there's a couple things that I think Time Traveler still deserves a shout out for. Um, and another thing, another moment on Tribe Traveler that isn't discussed yet is the, um, the S turn that comes after the vertical loop. Yeah. That's really intense. It may be quite, might, may just be as, as intense as like the last Airtime Hill um, on Rides of Happiness. That's the one moment I'm, that I always remember on Time Traveler. Like, oh, yeah. This is like surprisingly think, yeah, intense compared to the rest of it. Because, like, but you have that one moment on Time Traveler, and then, like, Ride to Happiness has like four moments like that. Because the airtime hill going into the second launch and the second, and the airtime hill coming out of the Snake Dive are similar in that, like, um, angle change, like, directional change airtime. And then the double up airtime coming into the brakes is just like. A victory laps for that And ride. I will say that I think Time Traveler's color scheme and overall presentation is a little nicer. Yeah. Because I think it fits better with the with the parks theme. It blends in well. It fits really nice with, like, the aesthetic of the ride. The, the colors of the trains really work with the colors of the track. It's something I'm like, you look at that and you're like, wow. It's, and it's like the whole package just really works. It's yeah. very Silver Dollar City. Yeah. And then you have Time Traveler, sorry, Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland, which is definitely not Pop Salons. Yeah. I mean, in a way it is because they build it. But, um... You know, it's definitely not really what you're used to from Pop Salons. And I don't know if I like the like the red with the white supports that much. I mean, I'm not really, like, attached to it. I'm like, okay, Lucy, I mean, it's, it's a fine color scheme, but it's not... I think the dark colors on Time Traveler are kind of, like... They, they really work with the aesthetic of the ride, I yeah. think. And I think um, it's only so much you can do when your park is also a family-friendly park and you don't want to, just want to have, like, a pitch-black roller coaster standing in the middle of your park. It doesn't really work the same. Um, but I'm not entirely sure if I... Uh, if I like the color scheme all that much to be honest but of course and then there's the train differences the trains on Rides of Happiness have that light up effect at night but the trains on um, Time Travel have, 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 have like the, the hardware the numbers, and the you know, like really the LED fun. that works so I think that's kind of cool um, what other differences haven't we discussed yet? I'm trying to think I feel like that covers the majority of it I mean Ride to Happiness has a bar at the exit slash entrance. The that entrance plaza true. has a bar. I think that's really fun. Uh, I'm excited to see more pictures of the Ride to Happiness subsection of Plop Salon de Pano because I know when we saw it, it was, it, you know, it was just, it was, they were still working on it. So I was, I wasn't going to, I didn't want to judge the way, like the overall curb appeal of the ride just yet because I was glad it was open. Um, it was kind of like riding Caraco at Olympus Park Trip Stroll in 2013, and like the ride was open and complete, but all of the theming was still under construction, like majorly under construction. Like everything was dirt and cinder blocks and scaffolding, and yet yeah. the ride was open. So, um, I think that pretty much covers it. I, I guess we would both argue. I, I guess the one thing, the, probably the biggest difference between the two rides for me personally is 
my initial reaction to Time Traveler, which was that I wasn't actually crazy about Time Traveler the first time I wrote it. Oh, same here. I mean, on the first trip, we wrote Wildfire, like, yeah. definitely more, even though the lines are about the same. And whereas but then when, on our last trip we, in 2020, like, after the pandemic. It grew on us. We, we wrote Time Travel all day instead. Yeah. Like, oh, this is really it, great. And then, but then our first rides on Rides of Happiness were like, wow. Like, but, okay, when I say something that I am not alone in, I know that I'm not alone in this, is that Time Traveler... Um, is glass smooth. I've never had an inch of rattle. Yeah. But on Rides of Happiness by Tomorrowland, that ride is so intense. I I had on um, one of our rides an incredible bouncing sensation. Yeah. And then Austin from Amusement Insider, um, he wrote it like, like a couple days after us. And he's yeah. like, talk about this rattle. I'm like, yes, I know yeah. I'm crazy. Like I really felt a crazy yeah. bounce that I've never felt before. And it was almost like giving me a headache. So like... <laughs> For all you know, for all things um, considered, I think that Ride to Happiness by Tomorrowland is just much more intense and like it puts way more stress the on the shuffle. Trains. Reminds me of a forty coaster. I mean, there's a lot of things about that ride that remind me of a forty coaster, but like the shuffling, the bouncing of the ride, um, definitely reminds me of being ragdolled through a, a for, uh, you know an Alan Shilkey forty coaster too. Yeah, like a, like a static <laughs> like kind of thing. Just yeah. being like shaken. Okay, but on that topic, I do think this is the new. I this think it's the, the new, new 4D coaster. Because in mean, all intents and purposes, it is 4D because it does this thing where, like, your cars are spinning. Yeah. And so, like, you are having that extra That dimension. is the fourth dimension. And you, your inversions, I mean, these are intense rides. There's a lot yeah. they can do with it. And it has a lot more, you know, variety they can do with it than they could with, like, the winged 4D coasters. So I really hope to see this in more parks. And honestly, Magic Mountain, if you're listening, this should yeah. be your next X2. You posted today on Instagram, like... I wonder what can top X2. This is well, it. Well, this is it. This can top X2. You put one of these on top of Samurai Summit. Where Make this, a theme where, to some sort of like yeah. crazy ninja star yeah. like weapon, and we have ourselves a winner. There you go. So Six Flags, you're welcome for the idea. You're up. Um, next. Okay, so our final hot topic, I think, is we wanted to touch on this year's Golden Ticket Awards. Since it was canceled last year, we've got two years' worth of subject matter. Um, we've been voters on the Golden Ticket Awards last, like, for four or five quite years. a few years. I've been on the, you've been on the yeah, for 10 years. This year we actually, we were we going. We always had a bit of a criticism on how the voting was done because we tried getting some of our European friends on the, our, our European codes of travelers yeah. on the voter list and they weren't submitted. And I'm like, well, it's starting to become like this pool of voters that are the same voters in the same area. And then we started traveling, and like that gap became too obvious. People were like, we've been to like these Asian parks. I mean, we're privileged, right? We're, yeah. We're happy that we got to we're go. We're very like, fortunate. But we've been to all these European parks, all these Asian parks, the middle of freaking China. We've written some really cool, awesome shit. And then the GTAs are like just like you know circle jerking around. Still, what's it called? Um, Millennium Forest again. Yeah. Like, well, Millennium Forest is fine, but like it's not. It's not some of the stuff we've written out in like Europe, Asia, yeah. or, like even elsewhere in the U.S. And so it became more and more obvious, and now we've had a two-year gap, and I'm like, what the hell is this list? I feel What's like this was more, way more than in past years, because there's always been and we didn't back. vote this year, for the record, so we're not, like, criticizing. We didn't vote this, yeah, the only reason. We, and we, that's not, not why we're criticizing, but we're criticizing. We, we, just, we, didn't have to, we, we, can, we ran out of time because we were moving, so, yeah. like, we weren't able to vote this year. Um, <laughs> we'll vote next year if they don't kick us off of the panel for recording this episode about it. Uh, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. <laughs> but, um, Try me. Just going through um, the winners, like, so Europa Park winning Best Park, that's kind, of, that's kind of a nice change of pace. Like, when the first time that happened, it was such a relief to see a park other than Cedar Point win because Cedar Point is just so far and away yeah. from my idea of Best Park. Europa Park is much, I mean, much closer. Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But like Europa Park isn't perfect, but it's definitely, definitely much closer to world's greatest park than Cedar Point will ever be. Um, best water park, Schlitterbahn. Um, I've never been to Schlitterbahn because I have no desire to go to Schlitterbahn because it, it's just, I just doesn't, it just doesn't look like it's for me. Yeah. When we're doing water stuff, water parks and pools and stuff, we're looking for like premium polish, swim up bars, um, something like sound waves at the Gaylord Opera Land Resort in Nashville. Something that feels real, yeah. Something that feels really modern, cohesive, well put together. The Volcano Bay is sort of thing. Volcano yeah. Bay is strong. Some of the water parks that we've seen in China uh, offer really, really premium experiences. And I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pass a lot of judgment on Schlitterbahn because this is not really a park that I've but been to. But I think to. a lot of people would be like, mm, it's kind of weird that Schlitterbahn is like somehow still considered the best water park in the world. It's certainly got a lot to do. By far has like no polish. It's, it's really just, not that pretty. It's, it's definitely, for me, I, I, I don't think people want to admit that Schlitterbahn is definitely an acquired taste. And like, I'll never really say from personal experience because I have such a low motivation to go there because I know that it's not my gig and I'm not going to, it's, it's not going to be the kind of thing where I'm like, Oh, I want to, you know, I'm in Texas. Like I really want to spend my time at Schlitterbahn. Like there's never going to be me. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite the asset for Cedar fair. I keep forgetting that Cedar fair acquired them. Schlitterbahn as a company has definitely been through a lot. Um, after, especially after the Farrokht incident, like my desire to go to any Schlitterbahn park, like, fell into, like, negative numbers, because I already wasn't interested, and then after, like, dealing with the completely preventable death of a nine-year-old boy because of some stupid water slide that was designed by people without engineering degrees, I'm like, yeah, okay, so I, my desire to go to these places is, like, even lower now, like, now we've got people with Schlitterbahn polos in jail, like, this is, somehow I'm not surprised. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, again, I'm just not, I'm not going to say like, oh, I don't like these parks, even though I've never been, but I am going to say these are why I'm not going. This is why I don't really care. And it's also like, I'm not really entirely sure if they are actually the best team parks. But yeah, I would be, I would be highly skeptical. But I think if this was a poll of, um, a larger international, um, voter base, then this would have not even played. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of Because I think Europeans and... Asians would look I mean, at Schlitterbahn. I mean, Europeans have phenomenal water parks. Yeah. The water parks on, like, the Mediterranean coast are phenomenal. Yeah, Siam uh, Park. Exactly. Uh, Galaxy Erding. And all these indoor water parks. Uh, Rulantica. I mean, the list goes on. There's fabulous exactly. water parks. The one at, in... There's a really premium water park the up Europeans in, do water park in parks Scandinavia. Like, the, I believe it's... Isn't there one... What's that one major water park that's, like, in Sweden? Like... Is it? It's near Colmarden. It's it, there's one water park. We YouTubed all of the water slides, and it was just like this sensational looking. Oh, I kind of forgot, but yeah, I you mean, know what I'm talking yeah. about. There's there's got to be people listening to us that know what we're talking about. But there's like a really premium like Swedish water park that. And is then just there's like, the water parks in Abu Dhabi, Dubai area. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, I mean I'm, not, I'm not a fan of, of the area necessarily. Like yeah, but we won't be going there anytime soon. I but mean, like there is, uh, Atlantis Palm Water Park, there's Yas Water, water World. World. There is the Wadi. Yeah. Yeah, Wild Body. I mean, Wild Body has like this like system. Wild Body is like water slides. You can spend an entire hour. Yeah, it's a water water park that's literally all connected by master blasters. So like you can't, 
be a fan of Schlitterbahn and then tell me to my face that Wild Wadi, which is a water park that is literally connected through a series of master blasters throughout the entire park, that that isn't the better park. Or the water park with a roller coaster in it. Yeah. Um, you know, Yacht's Water World. Yeah, anyway, Water World. Uh, not really what we're, yeah. I was planning on spending that much time on, but let's, <laughs> let's go to the next category. Um, best Family Park, Dutch Wonderland. I like Dutch Wonderland. I mean, it's cute, but it's, I think cute. it's a really generic, gen, uh, generic, sorry, this generic is, like category. This is exactly it's like what it's happens. Is a family park. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the best, but like it's a family. This park, is exactly right? what happens to parks when they host CoasterCon. Is like the parks. This Dutch Wonderland was a host for CoasterCon. I'm sure they were wonderful. I'm sure they were. Fa- I really think Dutch Wonderland is cute. Um, Kingdom Coaster will always be Sky Princess to me. To me. Too. Yada yada yada. Okay, here's the thing, though. I mean, we're we're gonna just be repeating ourselves. No matter what the winners are, the problem is the voter base. Yeah. Golden Ticket Awards could be a lot better, could be a lot more, could be a lot more va- um, valid yeah. if it wasn't the same voters, yeah. the same acers. Golden Ticket Awards wouldn't be the laughing stock you know, of Instagram if it, it wasn't, wasn't all just, like, the same acers. American acers. Like, if this, it wasn't just people who went to CoasterCon and they're like, oh. Whoever is in charge of the voting committee, which I think we know who it is, but I'm not going to mention their names. They need to go out on Instagram if they have it on their phone, which I'm not sure, but they need to go out there and they need to go and find these coaster accounts of people that have traveled, which are not hard to find, from all over the world, Asia, Europe, Middle East, and they need to just be like, hey, here's a ballot. Yeah. Fill it out. Because there are people with experience. I feel like if Amusement amusement Today knows exactly what they could do, and they just don't, they won't. And I think it's a problem. They would rather, they would... Let's look at the top 10 still, and let's look at the top 10... um, Top 10 Steel and Top 10 Woodies. Is that what they do, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, long day. Yeah, for, <laughs> I mean, one of the things, one of the big takeaways from the top 10, like, so Velocicoaster wins Best Steel Coaster, right? Which, I mean, it's fair. I think it's Best great. Best New Steel Coaster. But really then a lot of people took issue with the fact that Velocicoaster wins Best Steel Coaster, uh, Candemonium won, like, second place or third place or something, and but Candemonium placed, like, in the top 10 for Steel Coasters on the top 50 list, and Velocicoaster was way lower. And a lot of people were really confused by, like, that phenomenon and how that's is that possible. Is that because all the Aces went to Coastal and Hirsch Park? I, well, well, first of all, yes. The fact that Canemonium plays so well is because Acers, like, we go to CoasterCon, we love it, we have a great time, the serotonin's flowing, we're having, suddenly everything you do on CoasterCon, you know, you've been drinking, you're having a great time, it's banquets and ERT, and suddenly everything you do at CoasterCon is the best coaster you've ever ridden, it's the best park you've ever been to, blah, 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 and then suddenly everything that's up for a golden ticket award that was also at CoasterCon wins because there's like this hysteria hive mind uh, behind the voting where like, of course we're going to vote for Dutch Wonderland to be best family park because they took such great care of us at CoasterCon. We had such a fabulous time. Best steel coaster in the park. Yeah. (laughs) Canemonium is not even the best steel coaster in that area. It's not even the best steel coaster in that particular corner (laughs) of Hershey Park. So, but there is... And it's not that subjective like we think that way, but I just think in general like it's, it's... Problematic that it's scored so high on the list when there are coasters out there in the world that I think everyone would listening to this episode would be like, mm, that's probably better than Canemonium. You know what I'm saying? Another more damning evidence that like the people who are voting for these rides are not the people who should be voting is that Valhalla won best water ride even but though Valhalla it wasn't open operator. this year. It's all people, and myself included, I'm partially guilty for this. When we went to, we did the ACUK tour and broke Valhalla, everyone on the, our bus agreed that this was the greatest thing we've ever ridden and we were going to vote for Valhalla for best water ride, and it's won every single year since it's the ACE tour. It's been the same voters ever since. It's been the same voters every year, and so that ride keeps winning based on its 2015 performance, even though in the years since, the experience has dwindled because of the high maintenance costs. 
And so there's something that's just flawed about that. There's like all of the European voters are like, how did Valhalla win this if it was close? And I'm like, well, it's because it's been winning every year since 2015. And like nobody feels like they've written anything better or different or more interesting in the last seven years, even though there's definitely been more better and interesting water rides built in the last seven years, like Pirates of the Caribbean and Shanghai, for example. Or Walrus Splash. Yeah. Or, you know, there's, there's, there's some really cool water rides out there. I mean, yeah. there's even the, the, wild, the Wide Water West um, water slide rides that are all over China that are, like, really impressively cool. And then there's other, and then there's other things, like Six Flags Fiesta Texas won Best New Show, which... I've, First of all, best new show is kind of a weird. That's category. a really weird category. Because, like, um, what about just best show in general, or like best nighttime spectacular, or something? It's just it seems like awfully geared directly towards a singular project. And then they win best twenty twenty Halloween event, and because the, they're like the only people that host. Because it. all the good Halloween events got canceled. Yeah, like no shit. N- none of the California <laughs> nor Floridian events happened last year. So like Fiesta Texas, so is like, like yeah, we you're, gonna have, you're gonna have like, New Jersey left. Yeah, okay. I'm like cool guys. Like way to yeah. Congratulations. Seems a little direct. A little sounds a little indulgent, but whatever. And yeah, it was specifically for 2020. It wasn't like just bad best Halloween event. Yeah. It was best Halloween event in 2020, which have, which means that like almost no parks. That I mean, the the pioneers of the Halloween events. Yeah. Are California? Yeah, for, I, I'm like I mean, wow. Scary I think farm. There, I think there was nights, there was just a you know. there was a great need and desire among certain people to congratulate Fiesta Texas on existing. I mean, we love Fiesta Texas. Don't get me wrong, but I found it weird that like a global award show is that heavily focused on a category directly, almost. Seemingly created And, like, winning for a live stage show is one thing, because Fiesta Texas is a descendant of Opryland. That park has always had live stage show power in its blood. That's the thing. But it won best new show for, like, a firework laser show, and then it won this Halloween show thing, and I'm uh, the Halloween event thing, and I'm like, that's BS. Like, and it, like, it's, 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 and they I, told on themselves by saying that it was for 2020, when it's like, well, there's a reason why Hollywood Horror Nights wins every other year. It's like, well, Halloween Horror Nights was canceled. So, yeah, basically, I would have loved Scary Fun have gotten awards sometime. But then, uh, yeah. for me, it's kind of like the show category because I find like new show just like kind of weirdly specific. Yeah, not just best show, but best new show. Because like, in my head, I'm like, you know what? I have seen shows where I've literally been so overwhelmed that I cried. Um, you know, Ocean Resistance and Channeling Ocean Kingdom. I mean, it must be the most fireworks that a single theme park blows in one night with like. It's just so over top spectacular. It's like so stupid crazy. Or, or, or just, in my head, I'm like, how how does this even like? Or even like the, the on, nighttime guys. shows. Like, even I mean, like, even the Disney show. Yeah, the castle show at Shanghai not Disney. Under, not undermining Fiesta Texas here. Like, again, we love the park, but it's, like, but it's still six but, like, flags. Are we going to talk like global scale? Are we really yeah. going to say that like, this is the best show? I don't know. I mean, I mean, good for them. Yeah, like I, use it, use it for marketing, guys. Yeah, like, I mean, fun, but yeah, in my head, get, I'm like, really? get get what you can, like. You know, you know, drive up, drive up your attendance. Like, yeah, make it a billboard, put it in yeah. front of the show, do yeah. it. But like, I'm like, buy, yeah, some, buy some time, billboards, like, put them in front of SeaWorld. Like, time, whatever. Like, and, and like, I'm like, yeah, well, Golden Ticket Awards, like, come on, look, look in the mirror. Do you but really think like, it's gonna reflect yeah, well globally? Just, be like, oh, that's yeah. really like, oh, globally. Like, yeah, no one in Europe and China is gonna look at at Fiesta Texas and be like, oh yeah. Like, at the end of the day, maybe, maybe the maybe the Golden Ticket Awards are from 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 Americans for Americans. I mean, Europa Park is like throwing around that they won an award. Good for them. But I mean, it's also like the only international park that won anything. So yeah. like, you know, maybe they, maybe maybe other yeah, maybe other countries are in like regions where like nobody really cares about GCAs, and maybe that's why it's so American content. You know, I also I feel know. like I kind of expected something from Japan to win after the Japan tour, uh, but like Disney Sea for some reason didn't never wins 
Like, it gets close, but it does, it's never... I don't think it's too hard enough yeah, to get on it. There yeah. Was not, yeah or, or just Disney Sea just isn't coaster-oriented enough. It's not enough to tip the scale with, like, a ride like Europa Park. Finally, there... <laughs> right, a park like Europa Park, yeah. Uh, the, the last thing, I think, from the winner's circle that was bewildering to me is Dollywood taking away some new, some new awards for Most Beautiful Park. Which, it is a beautiful park, but we actually beautiful. have this conversation among ourselves a lot, and we're like, and this is just, I guess, like, Silverhouse City versus Dollywood, where we're like, well, Dollywood's starting to become a little big. It's starting yeah. to become a little open. Like, trees are being cut. Things are being, well, uh, you know, midways are becoming wider. It's, it's, you know, is it really, I feel like Silverhouse City has that old Dollywood charm. Yeah. But, like, it still lives it. Silverhouse City is Dollywood in the 90s. And I still think there's other parks that are really, really pretty that could be, compete with that. Because this is like the first year that Bush Gardens Williamsburg didn't win, and I'm a little surprised that it went that direction for Williamsburg because I just don't think that they're I don't I just don't think that Dollywood is that much prettier. prettier. In fact, it's not the prettiest Hershend Park because Silver Dollar City is. And Dollywood has never been less pretty ever because they've been knocking down trees left and right. I mean, the train ride, because of the Wildwood Grove expansion, has gone from being like a Forest scenic, natural just kind of experience yeah. to being like a, just a survey of all of the park's attractions and expansions. And it's like, it's cool, but I it's kind not of pretty. miss, yeah, I miss the part of the train ride where it was actually natural. Um, and like for the for for this year's lightning rod fix. Uh, they had to demolish, they had knocked down all of these trees that they were able to preserve during the original construction of Lightning Rod. And this time they gave up. They went up again, there. We, we love Parks of Dollywood, but I'm just kind of surprised. It's just disappointing. Like, really, uh, yeah, like, I, I just feel is, like Dollywood has never been uglier. I mean, have any of these voters been to Efteling? Finally, like, Efteling oh, yeah. has so much more natural beauty, and I'm like, well, if we're going to play the game, uh, you know, even if it's just like manicured landscape, yeah. Efteling would still I mean, how many of these people have been to Shanghai Disney, Disney Sea, And even if you don't want to give it to Disney because Disney always gets everything yeah. i understand I fair, that. that's fair but i think there's a really large fair amount of parks out there that are even perhaps more independent that really deserve it and again that's what ocean park the show. Oh, ocean that's Kingdom. the one i said the first thing i said when i came out i was like wait why dollywood ocean park exists yeah ocean park is so beautiful i mean yeah you build a park in the mountains on the open sea i mean yeah. it's spectacular yeah panoramic like, views of the south china sea from an phenomenal. island in hong kong it's like nope dollywood Anyways, I mean, again, we're not trying to sound like, you know, internet. Maybe we're just cranky. Maybe we're, but it's just like, I don't know. I'm just kind of tired. And I just feel like every, I wasn't even going to. Well, one of the funny things that I found, isn't there like a category um, about something that was new for 2020 that won? Um, They gave it, the new for 2020, like best dark ride in 2020, they gave it to Hollywood Studios Rise of Resistance. Um, But Hollywood Studios Rise of Resistance opened in 2019. Yeah. So like that category. And they specifically gave it to. Disney World's not Anaheim. So like for me, I'm like so best new family attraction of 2020 or 2021. Best dark ride and best new attraction in all three went to dark ride. Uh, sorry, went to Star Wars: Rise of Resistance at Disney's Hollywood Studios. The biggest problem here is that Hollywood Studios' Rise of Resistance opened in November of 2019, or it may have been early early December because I went to the Delta New Year after. It was anyway, like the last. It, it was, was one of those like things. The last, it was like Thanksgiving. But it was definitely 2019 yeah. because, um, yeah, it was definitely 2019. So I'm kind of like, mm, what in the world? I mean, yes, the one in Anaheim opened in 2020. But I then, then the at least put Anaheim on it. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. Like, why is it even an option? Like, I feel like there is a, there's not, not a lot of attention to details in this, in this anymore. And I think the biggest problem, personally, is still that the voter base is so completely... 
like the same people that like the results are just so. I feel like the voter base is almost like xenophobic. Like, I remember, I remember <laughs> like, back in like 2014, I was kind of bothered. I was like, you know what, whatever. And then like I started, I started voting and trying to make a difference and like kind of the global like scale and like suggest other Europeans like vote and stuff and. Now I'm just kind of at this phase. I'm just tired of the golden ticket. I feel board. like the GTA—they like don't care if the voters have never been out of America, but they'll be damned if they put a voter on the panel that's never been to America. And I feel like if we had like an equal base of voters around the world, this could be like the award show. This could be like the golden ticket. The golden tickets could be like the Golden Rover theme parks. Like, yeah. If there was like a voter base of people that had been all over the world, we would have had a much more balanced. Um, results. We would have had like we would have had parks getting shout outs that would really like it would it would not just bring attention to these parks, but it would really be like, you know what, golden tickets they have something to say. It would like, bring attention to the parks and it would bring attention to But I'm sick and tired the of the same old reputability. But I'm sick and tired of the same old American parks winning but like I didn't global feel title. Like it's like at the end of it's the like day, playing baseball and being like the world championship but like the only country that plays it is like America. Yeah. And like the only people involved in this like competition are like the American team. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like at the end of the day it's amusement today's game to lose. If they want to be a major international brand, they should be wanting the reflection of this these results to reflect the whole industry to the best of their ability. And they could be doing better and they're not. They are choosing not. Yeah, and I, you know, and at the end of the, at the end of the day, I mean, the only country that probably really cares about these are the American parks, and it's a great marketing gig. So congratulations to all the parks that won. Like literally, like make some billboards, sell your rights, make yeah, an advertisement, write that shit like, off into the sunset. Seriously, do it. Fiesta Texas, but we're like, so excited for all the things you're doing congratulations. next year. Congratulations, love it for you. I'm laugh, for the laugh your ass all the way to the bank. I can't wait to do see it. the golden ticket placard everywhere. Yeah, but, I can't wait for you guys to win best new coaster for your B and M dive machine. <laughs> But directly <laughs> to the Golden Ticket Awards organizers, to Amusement Today, please look into like changing this. I mean, the younger generations of ghost enthusiasts, theme park enthusiasts, we're just yeah. like shaking our heads. Everybody like, under 30 on? thinks you're a joke. So uh, well, get it very, together. <laughs> that's very direct. But um, at the end of the day, I think we made a point pretty clear here. It's like, um, we are privileged to have traveled that we have and there's other people that we know that have traveled and we have lots of friends and family all over Europe and Asia that are really into roller coasters and these people's votes are never heard they never get the chance and you know what there's some damn good shit out there and it's not getting the recognition that it deserves yeah and so gold ticket awards I challenge you to change that um, if you are still willing to send me back yeah. next year I will participate again um, but like come on like let's really like yeah. let's make it a global if you want to if you want to say if you want to pride yourself on having a varied voter base then do it and act like it make it happen and that's that boom mic drop and with that we're going to end the episode we're already a little bit later on we'd like to end with a boom thank you so much <laughs> for uh, um, you know listening to this episode of Coast Kings Radio one more episode of season yeah it's going to end season 3 soon and we're back soon with season 4 in November of this year um, go visit thecoastkings.com for all these new articles we've got coming out and our you know crown ratings all that good stuff and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode bye, bye.